Good morning. Uh, like Pastor Kevin said, my name is Nathaniel, and I am honored to be with you this morning as we continue our series, Worship Matters. And so last week, Pastor Josh did a great job opening us up, talking about what, uh, what worship is, who it's for, why it matters. And if you, if you missed it, I encourage you to check it out. It's online, uh, it's on our app, and so go check it out because it's going to set you up for the rest of this series. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to move forward in the series and touch on the when of worship. When do we worship? When does worship happen? And I'm not going to leave you in suspense, okay? The answer is all the time, right? The answer is all the time. We worship all the time. And we can look at Psalm 145, 1 through 3, and it says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. It's pretty obvious. We worship every day, all the time. Worship is eternal. And so let's keep that in mind, okay? Put that, put that to the side for a second. Let's look back to what Pastor Josh shared with us last week about our definition of worship. Worship is response to God's revelation. Worship is a response to God's revelation. So worship is our response to who God is, what he has done, to everything we know about God. That is our response. However, when we start thinking about that, okay, our response to God, and then we also think about, okay, worship is supposed to be daily, constant, all the time, a question arises. How are we supposed to worship have a response to God in the bad times, as well as the good. If worship is supposed to be daily, it's supposed to be constant, every single day, we all know we have days where it's terrible. Life is overwhelming. And we go through grief, pain, sorrow. How are we supposed to worship then? Our grief, our pain, those seasons of sorrow, God does have an answer for us. And the answer is lament. And that's what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about lament, how we worship in some of the hardest times of our life. How we worship not only in those bad days, but as we maybe even have those good days where we're reminded of one of the hardest times where we're reminded of a great grief or a sorrow that has occurred because lament is present throughout our lives. Lament is constant. And lament is worship. And so as we think about that connection that worship is all the time, it's constant, it's every day, it's not always going to be the the songs of praise, the, the high moments and the joy, sometimes worship really does look like lament. Where we enter into our grief and our suffering and our pain, we enter into our sorrow and we're allowed to just sit there. Lament is God's answer. And it's, it's making it so that we don't have to act like everything's okay. We don't have to act like everything is fine. I mean, you know when you walk into, you know, church and someone comes up and they're like, hey, how are you doing? The automatic response is, oh, I'm good. How are you? 
This place especially, the church, the people of God, this should be the place where we're able to enter into a real response that, you know what, life is not always good. It's not always okay. And unfortunately, often, and you may have experienced this as well and carry wounds where you haven't felt like you could carry that grief with you. You haven't felt like you had a space to be able to express your sorrow and, and truly grieve. You may have carried so much with you that you felt like you had to keep hidden. And you know what? Christians, they, they say really well-meaning things. I know I've said it, and I know I've been told these things too, where, where maybe I'm going through a loss, and somebody comes up and, and they say, just have faith, or God has a plan. Now, it's not wrong, but in those moments of my greatest grief, it just sounds so shallow, hollow. Maybe even false in the moment. And they're well-meaning things. And, and yet, it leads us to this place where we start to question, okay, if I was just to have enough faith, then maybe I'm not faithful. Maybe I'm broken. Maybe, maybe I don't even belong here at all because obviously I'm not connecting. Maybe God has abandoned me. Lament, the journey through our sorrow, is a regular part of our lives, and it's vital. It is a vital part of the church. It cannot be ignored. It should not be pushed aside. Lament happens because life, it's dreadful sometimes. It's absolutely terrible. I know this. You guys know this. You've experienced those seasons. You might be in it right now. And the worst thing we can do is walk through those times alone. Walk through those times pushing it aside, feeling like we don't have a place to be able to express our sorrow. And worst of God, our, and worst of all, walking through it thinking that God doesn't have anything to say about our sorrow and how we're supposed to walk through it. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to sit in Psalm 77. So you're welcome to start opening your Bibles. They're in the chairs in front of you. Uh, welcome to those online. Please load up Psalm 77. And as you turn there, I want to share and be honest with you that I currently am walking through such a great season of lament this past year. And so this is really, really dear to my heart. And, and even, you know, after spending years and years preaching, even getting through just that beginning part of this sermon was really difficult because my emotions are really high right now. My preparation has really been difficult for today because I'm experiencing so much lament in my own life. Many of you may know the situation with our foster children, my wife and I, and we have three foster children trying to adopt it, not really going the way we were hoping it would. There's a lot of lament in that. We have also been missionaries for 10 years, and, and now I'm here, which is a wonderful thing, and we're excited for the new adventure, but yet 10 years of life. There's a reason to lament leaving World Gospel Mission where I've been. 
And part of that is leaving the Rio Grande Valley where I have lived and had life and friends and community and, and family formed along the way. And now we're separated by hundreds of miles. There's a reason to lament. Even, even in a good thing that's happening, there's a reason to lament. And then even today, I'm up here and I am happy to be here, and yet I'm going to walk out those doors this afternoon, we're gonna go to where I'm staying, and my wife will not be there. And she will not be beside me tonight because she's still in Texas with our foster children. There's grief, there's lament there. And I'm not the only one that has things in my life going on. We all have reasons to lament. We all have things that are happening. It could be the loss of a job. It could be the loss of stability or possibly the loss of a loved one. Or it could be the pain of injustice in this world as we see things happening in our culture and society around us that just grieves us as they should. Or maybe it's the uncertainty of the future is you don't know where that next job is going to be. You don't know what's going to happen because there's layoffs. You don't know what's coming up next. And it's just so much uncertainty. Or perhaps it's the heartache of abandonment as you've been betrayed or pushed aside. Or maybe you're just in the depths of despair and it seems so hopeless. And you know what, some of these things might seem really big, but it, it doesn't have to be big things either. Maybe you just failed a test, and it was a really important one. Or maybe a friend ghosted you, and you feel like you've lost a connection. Or maybe you're just growing older, and you can't do the things you once could. There's reasons to lament in our lives. All of us have a reason to lament. And God does not ask you to push aside your emotion or to act like everything is fine. In your sorrow, turn to lament. Because lament is worship and it is good. Lament is the life preserver as we feel like we're drowning. Lament is a light in the darkness and it is our path forward toward health on the other side of our grief. Psalm 77 is going to give us that path. It's going to give us three steps, a path to walk as we enter into our grief and our lament. And these are things that we can experience and go through multiple times, even for the same issue. I know for, you know, the situation with my foster kids, I've walked through these steps over and over and over because I'll reach the end and I'll feel real good and I'll be like, thank you, God. And then the next day I'll be like, God, how could this happen? So it's not a one and done, but this is a lifestyle, a way for us to enter into our emotion and our grief and be able to find a way through it. And so let's pray together, and then we're, we're going to step into Psalm 77. Father, thank you for who you are. And I really just have a simple prayer for us today. Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds so that we can enter into the grief that we're all experiencing in some way or another, the sorrow that is in our lives. Let this be a space right now where we open ourselves up to it, to the emotion, and don't hide from it. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you move through us. Give us comfort, 
Give us wisdom as we step forward into lament today. In your name, amen. And so the first step of lament that we will see is to grieve and question. Now, it may seem weird, but biblical lament actually tells us that it is okay, it is okay to complain to God. It's completely okay to complain, to question, to wonder why. And now there's an important note to make here. There's a difference between cursing God and complaining to God. Now, that difference could sound like yelling out to God, God, you're wrong. You failed in this. Versus, God, how could you let this happen? There's a difference between the two, and we don't want to curse God, but we can question and wonder why. Let's listen to the first couple of, of verses of Psalm 77. The author says, I cry out to God, yes, I shout, oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan overwhelmed with longing for his help. Does that resonate with anyone? I know it resonates with me. Just that moment where it's just, God, nothing seems to work. Everything that I see and know about you and your word and your church, it doesn't make sense. Even thinking about you. And see, this is an interesting, interesting line. In the original language, this moan, the word moan, actually says it's to process out loud in complaint. So even that word moan has complaint coupled with it. And so he's saying, man, I can't be comforted every time I even think of God. I just complain because I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I am inconsolable. And the answer, which is God, does not seem to compute. This stanza is sorrow. It is the depths of the author's grief. And it's okay. It is okay to feel that way, to express that. He continues in verse 4, You don't let me sleep. I'm too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days, long since ended, when my nights were filled with joyful songs. And I search my soul and I ponder the difference now. He's attempting to make sense of his sorrow. And this is what he comes up with as he tries to make sense of this. Verse 7, has the Lord rejected me forever? As he tries to make sense of it, he just feels rejected. Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? The author is questioning what's happening and how this all could fit together. The depths of our sorrow can lead us to wonder, have I been forgotten? Has God left me alone? Have I used up all the grace I had and now he's thrown me aside? And it's okay. It is okay to feel that way. It's okay to enter into a space because our emotions, our pain, it's a part of us. God doesn't want you to push it aside. God, God wants us to move through it and to find health on the other side. And health is obtained by acknowledging your grief 
and expressing it. Expressing your confusion in this situation. So grieve. Don't be ashamed of your sorrow. When this seems to be your life, when these verses seem to be everything that you feel, step into it and know that it's okay. And that there are those who can walk beside you through it. And know that the journey doesn't stop there. Because this is just the first step as we go through lament. It's just the first part of lament. And so number two, our, our next part of the journey is to remember. When all seems lost and nothing seems to help and we are at our worst, and we see this culminated in verse 10 of the author, he says, and I said, this is my fate, the most high has turned his hand against me. We're at that point where we just think, it's done. There is no connection. There is, there's no way God is with me now. So what does the author do in response, though? What's he do? Now, in the original language, this verse, verse 10, is interesting, too, because it, it talks about a change of direction, which isn't really seen in our English translation, but it's talking about a change. He, so he's saying, has, has, the most hand, has the Most High turned his hand against me? Has he changed his character against me? Has his character changed direction completely? I thought I knew who God was, but as I walk through this, it feels like that's not him. How often do we wonder the same thing? All the things that we seem to know just seem to ring hollow in the face of our grief. And so the author, he has an answer. And he's going to start moving into the next part of this journey, to the remembrance part. And he appeals to the most stable and sure thing in the entire world, the character of God evidenced by his action. And so he's questioning, has God's character changed? And now he's going to appeal to the stability of God's character because of what God has done. God has proven it again and again and again. In verse 11, but then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Oh God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. God has proved again and again who he is by what he has done. Now, the author just talked about his great grief and the way he feels and goes right into this. It's not because he doesn't feel that way anymore, but he's remembering who God is because of what he has done. He's remembering all the things God has done in the life of Israel, in his own life, and we can do the same. We can think of who God is because of what he has proved about himself in our own lives, in the lives of those around us, in this church, over thousands of years of history where he has been faithful. We can remember who he is because of what he has done. And even above all that, even if you just can't even think of another, another reason, another point of evidence for who he is, there is one thing that always stands firm and true, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That God entered into human history 
as the man Jesus so that we may have relationship with him despite the fact that all we do is reject him and push away and rebel. He loves us so much that he saves us. That is something we can hold on to in the midst of our pain and our grief and feeling like there's absolutely no way that God could surely be there anymore. We can remember that he saved us through Jesus Christ. And that is not only historical fact, but it is lived out in the life of the church every single day. God will always be with you in the midst of your sorrow. Step two is to remember who God is and what he has done. Remember that God does not change direction, that his character stays the same. To remember that his character is good, holy, patient, that God is love, kindness, generosity. He is merciful and that God is sovereign. That is who God is. So in your sorrow, remember and remind yourself of this. My prayers over this past year have been actually rather simple because I enter into those times where I just feel grief. And so all I do is say, Father, you are good. You are faithful. You love me. Father, you are good. And I just repeat it. I just repeat it. There's so many times when I don't pray anything other than, God, you are good. Because I need to tell myself again and again, I need to remember his goodness because I just don't feel it. So especially in those moments when you just don't feel it, remember who he is. Create a mantra for yourself, as I have, and just repeat it over and over. And then the last step, the last part of this journey that we can step into as we remember is to trust, to trust God. Verses 16 through 19 says, When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and it trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed and your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and it shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. The author is reminding himself in this part of this verse, in this part of the passage, that God is sovereign in all things, that even the very forces of nature submit to his will, and that even while we are in the midst of some of the roughest seasons of life, as it seems like we're drowning, as the, the storms in this world is covering us, and it seems like there's nowhere else to go, that his path is still there, that he is still there, that we can walk forward and know that even though we may not see his footprints, he walks beside us. Lament is that path, that journey that we walk as we move forward. And it may take a really long time to sit in just remembrance before we can trust. And like I said earlier, you may even 
have those times where you start to trust and you know, God, you are good, and I believe this fully again, and then the next day it's like you stepped back. And that's okay. Because no matter what, God is sovereign and his ways are eternal. And so this journey that we have through lament, it's always there. God uses it to heal his people. And Jesus, he models this really, really well for us on the cross. On the cross, Jesus is dying a terrible death, horrendous. But he's there for a reason, and he knows it. He knows what's happening, and he knows that it's good and necessary, and it is the salvation of mankind. And yet, upon the cross, Jesus Christ yells out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in the depths of his pain and grief and sorrow, Jesus Christ even lamented. This path of lament is vital. It's necessary. Jesus Christ himself practiced lament, and he knew so much more than we do, and yet it was still important for him because he needed lament, and he still trusted God in the midst of it. You can feel the depths of your sorrow and trust in God. Those things are not mutually exclusive. You can do them both at the same time because healing is found in lament. As we grieve and we complain, as we step into a time to try to remember who God is and what he has done, and then we are led finally to trust. Lament does not mean the pain goes away. Lament does open our eyes so that we can see that God has been embracing us the entire time. The psalm here ends with verse 20. And it says, you led your people along that road like a flock of sheep, with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. What the author is saying here is that this path of lament is done together, corporately. It's done as a church. And so as we walk through our life where we are struggling and and going through grief and entering into lament, we're not supposed to do it alone. We're supposed to do it together. As a body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, we are supposed to move into our grief with other people. And I'm telling you right now that Grace Fisher's Church, this is a place where you can enter into your grief. This is a place where you can express your sorrow and others will come alongside you. No matter what is happening, no matter where you're at, there are communities and people here that you can step into and they will stay with you. And there's not going to be answers. We're not going to be able to fix things, but we can be with you in your grief, in your lament. And so reach out. We're going to be stepping into a time of worship After this, after I finish up, we're going to be singing songs. We're going to be entering into worship. And that's a time to lament, to reach out to a brother or sister in this place even right now and and just confess, I need you to be with me. I don't need answers. I just need you to hold my hand. I just need you to lament with me in this time. As we go into the week and and you meet with your small groups, join with them and lament. 
Bring your stuff to the table. It's okay to feel this way. Don't feel like you can't express yourself because this journey is one we do together. It was never meant to be alone. And so let's enter into lament together today in this place right now and let's worship through lament. Let us pray as we close. Father, you are good, you are faithful, you are holy. And those things, just those simple statements have been a lifeline for me as I remember who you are, as I remember what you have done and that your character does not change, it stays the same and that gives me hope. Lord, I ask humbly that those in this place today who are going through so much and I know there's grief in here, I know there's sorrow, I know there's pain, Father, I ask that you move in their lives comfort them. Give them a space right now to be able to just grieve and cry and weep. Even a space to cry out and lament and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And let us come alongside one another in those moments and just lament together because we know that this is your path forward. We know that there's health on the other side. We know that you do not leave us alone in the midst of the storm. In your holy, holy name, amen.